Hello, wonderful listeners. Creating this platform is a labor of love influenced by my journey with stage three melanoma, which I was able to discover ways to improve my physical, mental, and spiritual health. Through this chapter, discovering a purpose to help individuals in a more direct way. By donating to Patreon, you're helping Wellness by Design Group to produce quality content, bring exciting guests, and improve the show. Your donations and contributions ensure that Wellness by Design Group can keep informative episodes coming and maintain a high standard we all love. We are all grateful for any and all that you do to help. Thank you. Welcome, friends, family, and guests to the Wellness by Design Group podcast. I'm your host, Rob Moffat. Welcome, Dr. Wes Beavis, to the Wellness by Design Group podcast. Dr. Wes, I've had the amazing opportunity to work with you for over, I think, 10 plus years. Yeah. Um, I couldn't remember when it began, but I do remember um, how we started. And I also remember how, where we are today. The middle was a little foggy. There was a lot of work in those 10 years. But let's start off by letting the guests know that you're a doctor of clinical psychology, an author, and a past pastor, but we work together as a life coach and an executive coach. Um, I, I've had the opportunity to work with both you and your wife, and I want to publicly say and cannot thank you and Ellie enough for the guidance over the years, and I would not be who I am today without your guys' help and work that we've done together. And so I just want to uh, wholeheartedly, I want to yell from the top of a mountain, thank you. And then just before we get started, I give you permission today to speak to the matters that are currently under protection of confidentiality, because I really, really want um, us to get real today. I want to rip the covers off and be very vulnerable so that we can truly help people understand that this space isn't, they're not alone. Ah, thank you. It's an honor to be part of your program here, Robert and uh, it's just been amazing to see you grow and develop. And as someone who has coached you, it's a pleasure to coach somebody who is coachable. Mm. Uh, as a clinical psychologist, I have people come to my office and they want to tell me, you know, their difficulties and their legitimate difficulties, but uh, they sometimes don't have the motivation to put in the work. But uh, um you have, uh, in, in my role in your life as, uh, as a life coach, exec- uh, a, a coach to business executives, of which you are one, um, I'm glad that you've given me the, the, uh, uh, the ability to be able to share some of our yeah. conversation, because uh, as a important. clinical psychologist, uh, confidentiality is everything, and I extend that to the people Absolutely. that I... Uh, coach just as a consultant and as an executive. So uh, it's just wonderful to be here and uh, to talk about your amazing journey. Oh, it's not one I've been alone on, for sure. There's been a lot of people along the way that has helped um, you know, in so many ways, and I don't take any of it for granted. I don't take any of the challenges I've had in my life for granted either. They're all lessons I've been able to take away something from, so I, even as I look back at my entire history, 
and the challenges I've had, there's not one that I can say, I wish that didn't happen because I gained something from it mm-hmm. that has propelled me so much farther than I probably could have ever gone. Yeah. And that's part of that is because you have, by choice, determined that you, regardless of whatever's been thrown at you with life, that you're going to respond to it with a growth mindset rather than somebody who's, you know, would maybe say, you know, why me, why me, this is not fair. And, you know, uh, you've, you've not wasted as much emotional energy on that. And you've really been of the position of, uh, yeah, this is, this is not great. And I wouldn't have ordered it off the menu, but it's been presented to me as a part of my life. Now, how can I best respond to this in a way that is going to, uh, expedite my way through it you know I don't want to languish right. uh, any longer than necessary but also come out the other side uh, with with new tools right. new perspectives and a greater capacity to be able to pass on what I've learned to others and and that's just you well I think part of it is lessons learned um, I went through a long period of my life where that wasn't happening and you know with maturity um, mental maturity, I've realized that you have a choice. You can either go this way or this way. Mm. And they both have pros and cons, and you have to decide. So what you're telling me is uh, you tried the other way and yeah. discovered that the return on investment, to use a business right. term, was not that great. Detrimental. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's true. And then, you know, looking back, is you know, as we'll get into more conversation later, um, I think it affected my physical health. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing I want to get at really today is that it's so important to pay attention to our mental health. It's a big word out there. It's the big buzzword, I understand. Mm. But let's help people understand that there's ways to work through this. Yeah. It's not doing it alone. There's all, I don't want to say tricks because there's not tricks, but there's activities, there's things that we can work on that will give us that ability to work through those challenges and, and give ourselves some... and. I was thinking about this word, and I'm a little challenged by mental resiliency. Mm. Because with resiliency, I don't, you have to be careful. Because sometimes resiliency, we can bury Mm. and not deal with it. Mm -hmm. Because we have the ability to take the hit, Mm. but we don't look at the hit. We don't learn from the hit. Mm. And I think that's the other part that over time with maturity, I learned to then look at the hit. What did I learn from it? And how do I take that move forward? Mm. Versus before, it was just like hit. And I kept moving on. I never dealt with, looked at it. And then it just carried along with me. So the resiliency wasn't, it was more of just a coping mechanism versus a resiliency. Yes. Uh, The the capacity to reflect on it. Yeah. And say, uh, this really did hurt. This, This really was unfortunate. Um, And just to spend, spend some moments just, Self-reflecting. Absolutely. And uh, rather than just sweeping it under the rug. And, uh, you know, a lot of people do that, just suck it up and move on, suck it up and move on. And then one day, you know, they have some type of explosion and, and that the, the explosion is disproportionate to whatever the trigger was. And, they, and, and everybody's going, where did that come from? Well, it was, it's how, how about a couple of decades of sweeping it under the rug? Right. And uh, eventually, uh, my, uh, my son, who is a doctor of medicine in the U.S. Navy, uh, works a lot with, um, with guys and strong guys. And 
he just uh, he says, Dad, you know, one thing that I've learned is a um, as a doctor of medicine, if you don't say it, your body's going to say it for you. Mm. And uh, you know, so what you're talking about, it, you know, let's let's talk about it, let's uh, let's um, evaluate, let's um, you know, honor honor it in yeah, a sense, absolutely. Of, and, uh, and but then to say. Okay, what am I going to do with it now? Am I going to just add this to a growing list of disappointments? Yes. Or am I going to say, through this difficulty, this is what I learned and I'm a better person for it? Yeah. So let's go about a little bit more background um, in terms of, you know, clients that you're working with. And, you know, what's some of the common hurdles you see in the life coaching and executive coaching space? Today. Well, yeah. Because yeah. today's, you know, 10 years, five years ago, it's very different than today. Some common threads, though. I, I work m uh, not exclusively with males, right. but probably mm, probably seventy percent okay. with males, and we're still reluctant. We're, yes. we're reluctant to to uh, to reach out and to ask for coaching. Well, then this, this is a good time to bring this up because you and I have had this conversation over and over and over. Um, because I've worked with you for so long, I feel like. You know, I can't imagine the amount of hours that you and I have had conversations. You know, mm. over ten years. I mean, there was a time we were seeing each other every week for an hour and a half plus, mm. and and then now you know it's a little bit more spread out. But I mean, we've put in some serious hours of conversation, and part of that is I've gained so much knowledge in those conversations, and to a point where, as I'm driving to meet you, I decide what we're going to talk about that day. Mm. And because it's like, I need to, I want to get out of this something I want to get out, not what you want to get out of it. And so it's really setting that up is what do I need? And so over time, I learned that, you know, not just kind of go and just kind of, you know, see where the conversation goes. I actually came with points. Hey, I want to talk about these three things today. And, but one of the things that you and I have always talked about because I've gained so much and I've benefited so much is why is this space so looked at as, you know, so evil and you know people don't want to go there because it's scary um it's embarrassing and for me even in terms of leadership being vulnerable as a leader to me is so much stronger than the opposite yeah uh, there's a couple of things here robert um number one um my experience you know i i've you know, even as a clinical psychologist, I go and see a psychologist. Right. And I remember the first time I went, it was like, oh, my goodness. Had I, I, I needed to come and see you years ago. And, um, and so, but I just didn't know. Right. I, you know, I had no idea. I thought psychologists were for crazy people. Right. You know, and, yeah. and one uh, that flew a cuckoo's nest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, and, and it's, I'm, you know, I'm just an average guy with, you right. know, who feels like I've been knocked on my butt here. And, right. you know, that, of course, that's not to psychologist level or, you know, life coach level or, you know, pastoral counselor level. It's right. just, uh, so there's, um, you know, there was a, just an ignorance about the fact that there are people out there that have uh, great skills, great experience, great wisdom. And if you can find those person, be willing um, to uh, to invest in in uh, the cost that is involved. 
that person can help you navigate through something in, you know, sometimes a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months, what will take you a couple of years yeah. to, uh, uh, to come through. But I also think the connection with whoever that individual is on both sides, that really needs to be important and looked at. Oh, oh yeah. Um, because it's, there's not always a fit. No, no. And, and, and I think that's important for people to understand, too, is if they go see somebody, whether it's a life coach or a psychiatrist, and you know the first meeting or two, they just don't feel it. Okay, mm. maybe that's the personalities and they're just not. And so it doesn't mean give up. It doesn't mean that is a, is a no-go and not going to happen. You, know, you need to keep seeking, I, I believe. Well, absolutely. And, and it's also uh, what's your motivation do you do you want to change? Are you open to change? And sometimes, sometimes people will go to a coach and they'll say, you know, with and not even necessarily be aware of this, but they want the coach to just affirm their current mental state or their current take on pers- or perspective on life. Mm. And you know, if a coach is not going to uh, play along with that, is going to challenge you, then sometimes people will go. You know, the, I'm, this, this is not working for me. And, you know, uh, they, they can doctor hop or coach hop, you know, just try to, try to find the person that will uh, just uh, agree with them. Yeah. Um, so that can be the source of the discomfort is, you know, somebody's going to say, yeah, I'm going to challenge you on your thinking process there. Um, and and that, that, that's important. And then also I think kind of the ability to kind of lean in and hang in there for a little while and see yeah. where it goes and not – just assume after a couple conversations that this isn't going to work and this is too hard. Yeah, yeah. Don't I, give up too quick. Well, absolutely. That I mean, there there are some times where I, I'll see a client and uh, you know it just feels really clunky. Yeah. And I'll do everything I can to develop um, you know trust. Yeah. You know, so that we can talk you know so they'll let me backstage you know behind you know, behind where all the props have fallen over and right. it's really junky and clunky um uh but sometimes you know i um i come away and go i'm not sh- i'm not sure i'm not sure that we've developed a sufficient sufficient relationship and you know right. who knows i might i might uh remind them of their you know you know, freshman English teacher, yeah. you know, and it's like, well, I can't help that. Can't help that. So, yeah. uh, but th- to your point, absolutely. You know, if uh, I would encourage everyone out there who's an, never experienced, you know, counseling or coaching to um, just be prepared that, you know, it, it might take a few sessions in order for you to, to see the value. I know in my clinical work often, you know, because we're talking about, issues that can really stir up emotions, you know, like the, the sediment that's fallen to the bottom of the glass. And, you know, a clinician will come in and stir, it, stir up. it up. And that makes you feel uncomfortable. Well, I'll tell you, I remember there was a period in the very beginning where I was seeing Ellie in the week and you at the end of the week. Mm. And I'm telling you, at the end of the week, I was mentally drained. Oh, but, yeah. I was, but I was encouraged and so I'm going to keep pushing through this because I know going through this mud, there's something on the other side that's really good. Oh, and, you know, and I just kept telling myself that. And I don't know where that came from, but it's just my intuition and just the, the goal. You, you know? know where I think it came from? I think it came from the fact that you um, are an athlete mm-hmm. and all through high school and, and uh, later on in life, 
you have had coaches in yes. your life. Yes. And you've known that it's, you know, it's like my, my son, uh, when he went out for the cross-country team, you know, it's like, it's just murder yeah. you know, to, to all the running that you do. And, and it's just flat out hard. And, and with uh, coaching and with counseling, it's the same thing. You know, it's... Yeah, and you had to have that trust and, that I'm going to put this work in and I'm going to bust my butt and it's going to hurt, but that's going to prepare us yeah. for whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I, that's a good point. And coaches are, were a huge part of my life growing up. And I have so much to gain from that time. So I, you know, we have it to, I have it today, you know, some memories and just life lessons and all those things. And, you know, I, I am so grateful for having had those people in my life, you know, had those mentors that were able to push me Mm. and take me to places that I didn't want to go. So you, from a young age, discovered that there was benefit from pushing through the toughness. I didn't have a choice. Well. I mean, really. I mean, I did. We always have a choice. I I didn't see a choice, though, personally, because Mm. I felt like if I... I didn't have a safety net. Right. I never felt like I had a safety net. Right. So if I fail, it's going to be on me, and I have to deal with the consequences. I have to deal with the fallout. And so it, it, it was good and bad because to a point I was so careful, and I didn't want to risk too much. Mm. And I think later in my life I realized I might have missed out on a few things. Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not regretful of it, mm. but I look back and go, are you – you could have pushed a little bit harder here. You could have took more risk here. Yeah. And I think it comes again with maturity yeah. and willing, you know, again, going through, we'll get about a little bit later about seasons, but going through these various seasons, I learned that I could, I can make it through. I can get to the other side. And so again, going through those multiple times, you begin to realize, okay, I got this. Yeah. You know? uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Abraham Maslow, who said, the story of the human race is the story of men and women selling themselves short. Yes. And uh, because we bump up against the, the, the threshold of pain. Right. And we go, you know, because uh, ba- basic human nature is to pursue pleasure and avoid pain. So when we bump up against pain, we just go, oh, this doesn't feel good. And, but it's, it's, the, it's the growth zone. Well, yeah, it's, I, I call it the uncomfortable zone. Mm. You call it pain, I call it uncomfortable. And I think that, for me, is one of those things that I seek now. Mm. Because in comfortable times, that's when I grow yeah. the most. Oh, absolutely. I mean, but, you know, I'm a, uh, a man, faith is a big part of my yes. life. And I just know that, um, you know, I'm constantly telling myself that, you know, God is more interested in the development of my character than the continuation of my comfort. Yes. And the development of my character always comes by pushing through the pain zone, the, the, uh, the zone of the uncomfortable. And do you, What do you see in the future of life coach and, and psychology? I mean, do you see a change? Do you see different techniques coming to the, into the table? What, what do you see? Oh, I. Um, oh, that's a that's just a really insightful question. Uh, number one, uh, we uh, the world is is not getting any less crazy, right? Uh, number two, or noisy. Yes, noisy. 
uh, and, and with that noise is confusion. Um, and we have uh, people, because of internet technology, we've got the capacity to connect with people, like on this program, right. with your listeners. It's, it's amazing what technology brings to us. But with, you know, with, with every breakthrough, there's also the possibility that that can come at a great cost. Sure. And so I think uh, you know, one of the things that plays into uh, well-being of a person is social connection. And digital social connection is not the same as, as just, you know, like what you and I are doing now, just sitting down face-to-face, -face, two humans within a, uh, a, a certain space and just communicating. And we're doing less and less of that these days. And Which is hard. I mean, it's hard, that communicating like that. Yeah, of course. It's much more entertaining to... to you know, when you're feeling uncomfortable, just to get out your cell phone and just start scrolling. Yeah. And. Well, uh, also, I, there's the body language. There's all those components of communicating and having a conversation with someone. Mm. If you're not doing it in person, you, you don't, you miss out on. Mm. Well, one of the, one of the challenges I, you know, I've, I have some uh, guys that I'm coaching with regard to, you know, they're in this world and they really do want a partner, you know, and. Um, and of course you've got all the dating apps, Yes. Um, but it's actually made it harder. I, I am so glad I don't have to deal with it. Oh my goodness. It, it, to, I, I really feel for, for, you know, both guys and, yeah. and gals, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's a price to pay on both sides and, and we're, we're losing the art of connecting on a and a face-to-face -face level because our initial connection is all done digitally. So, yeah, uh, for coaching, for uh, clinicians, there's going to be no shortage of work in the future and artificial intelligence. Uh, people are not going to want to go to a computer to, to, to bear their souls. They're going to want to go to a human. Right. Yes. Agree. I mean, it, there's, that human interaction is so important. I, I, I think the clinical research is just um, time and time again uh, reiterating that uh, a lack of social support is associated with all types of uh, arduous mental conditions. Yes. So, you know, I, did, I think uh, making, making real life connections with people and, and learning to, you know, learning to push through the, the discomfort, you know, there's, there's, a, um, yeah, you got to realize you're not going to die from the uncomfortableness. No. And I think once you get to that space, then you can work through the uncomfortable time. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, I'll, I'll use an analogy and people will probably get, you know, annoyed that I keep bringing this up. Cold water. It's one of the most uncomfortable things you can do. Yeah. It's getting 30 degree water. Yeah. But to sit in that for three minutes and succeed mm -hmm. is amazing. Yeah. You know, there's, there's this mental battle that you have to get in it. Yes. Once you're in it, you have this mental battle like, oh, I should get out. This is very uncomfortable. Mm. My legs hurt. This, you know, yeah. go, go on and on and on. You have this mental battle. And, but once you get out, you realize I survived. Yeah, once you get to the other side of it. I survived, and not only did I survive, I feel better. Yes, 
you feel better, and you also psychologically feel stronger yes. because I endured something hard. Now, I, um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, um, uh, uh, Bedros Koulian okay. uh, show, and he was saying he's given up alcohol okay. altogether. Yes. He said he, he used to just drink, uh, he, he uh, dialed it back to just drinking socially. And then he just got to the point where he said, listen, um, this is used as a social lubricant to help people feel more comfortable during that first three minutes to use your, you know, yeah. ice cold plunge. Yes. Uh, it's, it's the first three minutes of approaching somebody that's just unbearable, intolerable. In it. And unfortunately, people can't do it unless they've, uh, unless they've you know, kind of um, adjusted their system using al alcohol to right. do it. And, and it's, it's like, I think... Uh, it would make uh, such a difference if we could just learn the art of being able to introduce ourselves, have a conversation without having to um, to orient our uh, cognitive capacities with with alcohol in order to give us the courage to do so. Yes, I agree. So one of the biggest purposes of this platform is to help individuals um, both in their physical and mental wellness. And I just want to encourage others that they're not alone in this battle. And hopefully through the story that we're going to talk about a little bit today, um, we can help people understand that they're not alone and it might spark a new and better direction and perspective. And I think that's really, again, what we want to do, continually help people understand, um, both in physical and mental. Um, there's all these challenges out there. We talked about the noise today. People are dealing with so much stuff. Um, you talk about social media. That's just one component. There's the media. You go on and on and mm. on. The noise is just so loud. The, the stressors that we're dealing with, I had Robert um, last week, and that's what we were talking about, stressors. And there's just so much stress out there that we're getting attacked with every day. And so I just, um, hopefully that through this story and helping people understand that there's no shame to this struggle. We're mm. all having this struggle. And life's not easy, but it's how do we respond, you know, and what does it look like when we get back up? I mean, I think those are the big components is how do we respond and what does it look like when you get back up? Because if you're living life, you're going to get knocked down. Mm. There's no way. Yes. There's no way you can avoid it. Yes. If you're out living life, you're going to get punched in the nose and get knocked down. Mm. It's that easy. It's that mm. simple. Mm. I don't see how you can avoid it unless you're... Well, you can avoid it. You know, avoidance, <laughs> avoidance is a really, uh, you know, people get really good at that. Um, but uh, there's a, uh, a saying that I heard years ago, you know, fear will make your world small. So if you're, if you've got, um, if you're unable to tolerate discomfort, um, then, then you're just going to, you know, fall back into your world and, and that world won't be expanded because expansion the price of expansion comes at, uh, you pay with it, with the currency of pain and discomfort. Uh, and I find, you know, that people that uh, bump up against the, uh, the zone of discomfort and then they, they pull back, you know, you know, eventually they, you know, they never travel outside of their own town um, and that, you know, they cooperate with that and they never, you know, they hardly ever leave their home mm. and then they, you know, hardly leave their bedroom and then hardly even, you know, leave their bed. Uh, obviously, that's a, that's a clinical uh, issue going on there. But that's, you know, it's like, hey, you know, 
it's a big, wide, crazy world full of, full of uh, you know, tough realities, but also great, great experiences if, yes. you're, if you're willing to pursue it and, right. and have courage um, and uh, build a toolbox. You know, it's, it's much better to go through life, you know, when, you know, you experience some brokenness. If you've got a really good toolbox. That, and how do we develop a toolbox? Well, we get broken and we develop those tools to help us, you know, fix ourselves. And, and so that's where the joy is, is to, is to move into, um, you know, expanded experiences of life, having a really good toolbox. So if you, if you do get, you know, hit, um, you know, punched in the face, whatever, you've got some tools to be able to uh, recover. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then in my own life, you know, there's many seasons that I've gone through. And like I said earlier, I feel that I have no regret of any of those seasons because I was able to learn something from each mm. one of them. You know, adolescence years, um, I mean, everyone's got challenges in their adolescence. Mm. You know, our frontal lobe isn't developed. Mm. I mean, how are we supposed to process all these things and really understand with maturity mm. what's going on and how to deal with them? Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a challenge. And, and then in that time, and when I was 11, my mom passed away. And that was just something that it took me, it's still taking me a long time to process. Mm. And you and I have talked about that over and over. And I remember at the time when, after this happened, I did go see a psychologist. Mm. But I look at back at it, and again, back to my frontal lobe not developed. Mm. It, it just, there was no connection. The, it, it just, it wasn't the time, really, in my opinion. I wasn't mature enough to have that dialogue. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, you know, someone out there at that time, you know, in child psychology that I could have connected with somewhere mm. that might have been that person. Mm. But where we were, they didn't have the resources like we do now. We don't have the, you know, just the opportunity to search for these things. Yeah. And so it was kind of, I don't want to say a lost cause, but I, I had to bury it. Yes. And I buried it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And to a point where I think it affected my relationships growing up because I had this, this fear of getting close to people, mm. you know, because if you, I, you know, my mind, I made up my, made up my mind that if I got close with somebody, something was going to happen and they were going to leave me. Well, and so I, I, that was my defense mode. And that's not irrational. I mean, your mother was the most important, closest person to, right. in, in your life. Right. Um, you know, particularly the moms in the younger years. And um, absolutely, that's what life, that was the lesson that uh, you drew out of all that. It's well, actually, like, I drew more than that. Uh, you know, she was an amazing lady. Oh, it's going to get me all choked up here. Um, <clears throat> she was very creative mm. um, with music and art. Um, so I think that sparked my interest in that space. Yes. Um, she didn't give up. You talk about someone that didn't give up. She didn't give up. I mean, she had multiple, you know, seizures and strokes and, you know, went from crutches to wheelchairs and she never gave up. Mm. You know, she coached soft, girls softball and crutches, mm. you know, and I was, I don't even remember how old I was. I was probably seven, probably Drew's age. Yeah. And seeing that just, you know, showed me that strong people, 
can do a lot of amazing things. Yeah. And so it was, so again, I don't, I miss her. Mm. I can miss her tremendously. Mm. But I don't regret it mm. at all. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you're doing something that's really mentally healthy in that, in that, you know, the picture, the painting yes. of an 11-year-old boy who loses his mom that he just idealizes and, and just represents so much to him. I mean, that's a tough painting. That, that's, but it comes down to, you know, uh, sometimes we have less control over how the painting is painted. Absolutely. We don't. Uh, we have no control of yeah. how the painting's painted. Yeah. And I think that is something, again, with maturity and time. Yeah. That, you know, I was able to um, have that perspective. But, but here's what you've done. And the good thing is you've had a therapist in your life that, you know, helped you figure out how those two, or the, you know, parts of your life are connected. Mm. And, um, and therapists did did really good work in your life. Mm. Um, but the, the painting, we don't have, you know, sometimes we have very little control, and there's an 11-year-old boy, you mm. no control. And yet it's up to all of us to determine what type of frame do we put around that painting. Do we put a frame around it that, that highlights the tragedy, that... Right that the unfairness, a frame that focuses on, you know, the, the tragedy. Or the blaming outside. Uh, the, the blaming, yeah, yeah. a frame of yes. blame. Yes. Um, and, you know, some people do that. You know, the, 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 uh, the painting is unfortunate, and they put around a frame that, that picks, you know, that, that highlights all the, the, the tragedy of the painting. Um, whereas... There is incumbent upon each person the, the, the mandate to choose your frame. And so it's like, okay, well, which frame am I going to choose? And you've chosen a frame which, which actually honors your mom. Yeah. You know, because she wouldn't, she wouldn't want you, you know, languishing for your entire adult life, right. you know, pining over her loss. You've you put a frame around your that that painting yeah. that helps you know bring out uh, the, the great things of you know the fact that what your mum put in you in those eleven years was was you know what what you know some people don't even get in a lifetime. Well, and that, I think that's part of my struggle is what I gained in those eleven years was amazing, and I missed out on eleven more. And, but again, I I don't want. That, but that's where my mindset was. Right, right. You know, for a long time. Mm. You know, what did I miss out of on, you know, what, what would I have been, how would I have been differently if she was still here? Sure. And I would have been. But would it, would it be? You could have been different. You, you may not have been as, as strong as you are now. That, well, yeah, that's a big part of it. Mm. You know, and, and I think the other part is that I was very grateful to have amazing people around me in the community. Mm. They stepped up. They played the roles that I was missing. Yeah. And that was huge. And I don't regret, you know, again, that was big. But the other side of that, there was oddness to it, too, because I didn't really have this 
family core that I really uh-huh. felt was my blood. Yeah. And, and let's even back up even more. I was adopted. So there was that challenge already, which, again, wasn't big until later in my life mm. when I realized when we had Drew that that's the first blood relative that I have in my entire life. Yeah. Yes. So what you've done is, so sticking with the painting analogy for a moment here. So the painting is what it is. We sometimes have very little control over how it gets painted. We have absolute control over what type of frame we put around it. And then the other factor is lighting. You can, you can change how a picture looks, just how you position the, the focus of the light. Yes. And so you've chosen of that you know, painting that has some, some tragedy to it, you're focusing the light on a section of that painting, which, you know, my mom uh, uh, modeled for me strength. She modeled to me uh, creativity. And then I, I had to, you know, I had to find a, you know, secondary family. Mm-hmm. And, and so you've chosen to, to focus the light on that part of the painting. And that's, and that's why it makes it actually a, um, just a, an amazing painting to look at. Yeah, and I also, again, later in my life, realizing these things is being in these different situations, learning from them, knowing what, I don't want to say right or wrong, but what feels good, what you know helps me to develop a direction mm. for my family today. Yeah. Even. And so being around those different circumstances, able to realize, you know, where the value is. For example, Didi and I both, you know, had a, lives early on in our lives that stability wasn't there mm. you know and, and so what do we focus on now with drew stability yeah absolutely we i mean that's our we without even talking about it i watch us yes and i'm like what's the goal here without even us talking about it yeah stability yeah and so again learning from the past and bringing it forward and going we have the opportunity to change this change the trajectory Yes. And that's another thing we can get into is how do we change that? Because I think that's important. But just kind of going through the rest of the seasons a little bit is, you know, with passing my mom, you know, finishing school, going to college, it was still that was there. Mm. It still played a factor mm. in my mental health. Yes. And, and how I was you know, navigating through things. Yeah. Um, I gained things still through that time, but... I do feel like I left a lot on the table. But I still have an opportunity to gain that and do that. That's the thing that's interesting is that I can acknowledge that I missed out on something or I was off, but I have the opportunity to change that and do something different. And and I think that's important for people to understand is that just because our past was the past Hmm. doesn't mean we have to continue that way or that that's the fabric that we have to follow. The DNA isn't set, in my opinion. Yeah. We have the opportunity to change that. Yeah, there, there is, uh, you know, disappointments mm. that could very much coach us to have a, a negative view of life. Right. Now, the question is, are you going to cooperate with those inclinations, those opportunities? It's like you could... You could become really good at singing the "Somebody Done Me Wrong" song, yeah, um, or or you can not cooperate with mm. with that dysfunction. 
you know, for you growing up, you know, you, you had to cobble together, uh, yeah. uh, you know, what was left of your family. And you've decided, you and Deidre, that with Drew, that you, you are going to provide those things which you felt you missed out on. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, it's not about buying him a, you know, a new bike. It's about giving him the, the love and the stability yeah. and understanding family core, uh, family values. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and not that I didn't have that, but again, it was, it was fragmented. And which, again, I think there's some positive to that because because it was fragmented, I was able to somewhat pull the best of the best mm-hmm. and, and not go, oh, this is how we always did it. Yes. So we're going to continue to do that. Yeah. And I think we've actually had that conversation where that is an advantage. Mm-hmm. I don't have that tape that I can go, this is how it's always done. Yes. I can go, that was how it was done, mm. but let's do it this way now. Absolutely. And, see, and I'm also, to that point is, it might be off there, but I can change it again. That's, yes. We have the opportunity to change. Yes. And, and whatever that looks like. And so I think it's important. And then, so as I, I got out of college, I moved out to California mm-hmm. from Ohio. And that was a big move for me. Um, I left my um, support group, I'll call it, my friends. Um, I was grateful for later because a few of them moved out here over time. So I, you know, kind of reunited with some of them. But again, my main core support group was in Ohio. Mm. So I really came out here. I don't know what I was seeking. I think part of it, me leaving Ohio, was leaving all that past. Mm. And again, don't regret it. Um, I think, you know, would I have chose differently if I had a different mental capacity at the time? I don't know. Mm. I mean, there's still an opportunity out here. Mm. So if anything, I wasn't like I was coming out here to, you know, wait tables. Mm. I had a job, you know, with Disney Imagineering. Who's going to say no to that at that mm. time? And so moving out here was, again, a, an opportunity. And, I, you know, I, there was something about coming to California. Of course, you know, especially from the state of Ohio, you looked at, might not look like, like that now, but, you know, you, you wanted to move to California and live on the beach. Yes. And then, you know, as I was here and starting my career, uh, my focus became so strong on my career. Mm. And um, we can talk about that a little later, how that changed. But, you know, through that, um, got a lot of opportunity to do a lot of different things, see a lot of the world. And then in my early, mid, no, my mid-20s, I met Deidre. And I came to a place where it's time to take the armor off mm. and, and love someone. Mm. That was hard. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you had really from the age of 11 uh, through to mid-20s, you, yeah. you had learned to be uh, your own man. Maybe we could go so far as to say self-made man and um, to make yourself vulnerable to another person. Uh, absolutely. That's, yeah. That would have been... That would have been an, uh, an uncomfortable step. Well, yeah, and and you know, even at that time, we, there was you know all the stories of divorce and this and that. So there was all that noise too. Yeah, and and it was a you know, it was a leap of faith, mm. really, that this is the person that should be in my life mm. and that I should be in her life for whatever that is. 
I look back now, I say, absolutely. Um, but at the time, it was, um, it was really challenging for me to get there. Mm. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of conversation. I think I began to open up more and realizing that it was worth the risk. Mm. You know, um, because without risk, there's no reward, really. And so that that was important. And then, you know, as you know, Deidre and I got married and bought a house six months later, and she was flipped out because we owned a house, and you know, I was going crazy about cash and spending money, and you know, and even you know, we'll talk about a little bit about that too. Is that you, you? Those are some of the components we talked about. Is we looked at all of me, mm. and one of those was money management. Yeah. And we looked at how to manage money and how to, you know, you were the one that taught me about the multiple bank accounts. Mm. And, you know, I probably have the most accounts at U.S. Bank. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea of that and, you know, creating structure so that we have freedom. Mm. There you you know, I remember I fought you so much about automating my bill pay. And once I did it, it was like, what? I didn't have to think about it. Yes. I was playing games with it. I was... Oh, I'll pay this tomorrow because of this. And then I'd forget, and then I have a late bill versus automated. It just does it. Yes. And if I automate my bank accounts, it's all taken care of. Mm. And so that, again, gave me that freedom to be creative mm. and not use that energy to just manage my money. Absolutely. And, and so that was important too. And it, you know, even to the point of creating that date night account so mm. that when Deidre said, Hey, I want to go do this, I could say, Well, how much is in the account and it gave us choices yes versus the unknown and then me just saying no which i just you know i didn't want to do that but it's what i felt and it, it was a uh, it was false because we weren't managed in a way that we could see it yeah you were being uh, guided by your feelings and not the facts and that's what, that's one of the things about uh developing money management skills is that you know that um the the Facts are all there. Have we? Uh, I still use the envelope system today, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, because it worked, yeah. it, it it put us in a in a very strong financial position. And I think it's it's even more important when we're tight with money because it helps even more at those moments, which is you know very valuable. And it takes away the um, first of all the uncertainty. You know, it's yeah. like. I, I, um, are we spending ourselves into bankruptcy? Um, and it, it brings freedom. It's like, well, if I've got, you know, if there's 50, 50 bucks in the date fund, well, we can go and guilt-free go and spend $50 and no more, but we can, how do we maximize uh, that $50? And Well, today that's not going to go too far. No, that's that might even at McDonald's, you might be hard pressed there. You might have to stick to the dollar menu. Right. And and so through that time of my marriage, you know, probably ten years in, um, and you know, Deidre and I actually celebrating our twentieth anniversary, October. And you know, probably in the tenth year, you know, Deidre was working, I was working, and there was a, a good period of time where we were just passing ships. We we weren't, we didn't have fights and we didn't, you know, it wasn't anything like that. Um, but we just weren't connecting. We didn't have the ability to really have those conversations we should be having. Mm. Um, it was almost like a friendship 
there's a partnership in a marriage. Yeah. And um, during that time, you know, also Deidre got to a, a place where she wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about my past. I was really dug my heels in. Mm. And uh, Yeah, because you uh, didn't want, you know, whatever child that you were able to create together to have to go through what what you experienced, the, the losing of a parent. It was that, and part of it, too, I was gone a lot in my career, and I was challenged to bring a kid into the world that and their father wouldn't be around as much. You know, and yeah. would, would I, you know, be responsible enough mm. and, and have the ability to, and the time and to be present in that time? And so I was really, that was challenging. Um, but through that, we, we went to see Ellie. Mm. And going through marriage counseling, and you know, I I value that tremendously. Mm. I, th- I recommend all marriages, anyone married or cup partners, to go get couples counseling because mm. um, it's so valuable mm. to have someone there. It's not about you're wrong, I'm right. It's about how do we work together. What are the tools? Probably one of my biggest takeaways was as a male when we hear something we ultimately think we have to fix it. Mm, mm. And there were things that Deidre would say, and I didn't have a way to fix it. Mm. So I would just, I would blow up. Not necessarily at her, but I would just blow up because Mm. I didn't have a way to fix it. Mm. I didn't know what to do. Mm. It was helpless. And working with Ellie and going through that process with her and learning was just because she says that doesn't mean you have to fix it. Mm. And it goes back to even myself is, you know, I believe sometimes, you know, just saying something is enough to get some sort of relief mm. and or also realize that what I'm feeling is, is not necessarily accurate. Sometimes when you say it out loud, you go, no, that's not right. Mm. And I so there's power in that. And, and so realizing that when Deidre says certain things, I didn't necessarily have to fix it. I just had to listen. Mm. And then gaining, you know, gaining maturity and in, in, in my mental health and my anxiety and everything that was going on. And, you know, it, it took a long time even after Ellie. But to have that maturity is when that st- starts to peek its head that I understand it's there. And, and have that conversation with Deidre. Yeah. And say, look, I'm stressed. Got a lot of anxiety today. You know, it's, this has nothing to do with you. Um, I'm going to do my best to not let it show up. But if it does, I want you to know it's not your fault. It's nothing you did. Mm. It doesn't give me, you know, freedom to do whatever. Mm. But I just want you to understand what's, where it's coming from. And then she, it gives her the ability to, A, not take it personally. And then the other thing is that maybe she has the opportunity to, to say something to help me. Mm. You know, but it's that communication. It's being, you know, vulnerable with my wife even. Yeah. You know, and... I think that's important. You know, now, would would that have been the hardest period of your marriage? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. When we were going to counseling. So you went to counseling, mm-hmm. and counseling helped, mm-hmm. and you survived counseling. Absolutely. And I, your marriage was stronger. Yeah, and I think the other thing to learn is that as humans, we grow over time. Mm. And you and I have had this talk. We, mm. we grow apart. And so marriage counseling or couples counseling, however you want to describe it, is a way to reconnect. Yeah. You know, and help us, you know, 
fit back into the fabric together because we've grown apart. Yes. There's nothing wrong with growing. It's just, it's a natural thing. Yeah. And so, and I think that's the other thing is that <laughs> I believe marriage to say it's easy is the wrong thing to say. Mm. I mean, if you're going to really live, truly live life with somebody, mm. it's going to get messy. Mm. It's going to get noisy. Mm. There's going to be goals that aren't aligned. And it's just life. Yes. And, but we have to have the talk and you have to be able to bring it to the table. And I'm not, I'm not perfect at it. Yeah. And, and in any way, shape, or form. But I want people to understand that it, it's, I think it's really valuable. And that I believe that having that vulnerability as a couple says, hey, we don't have this all figured out. Yes. But we're willing to work on it. Do you know what makes that possible? is the vow till death do us part. Because if you've made that commitment to each other, then you have the... Uh, you have the courage to be able to, to work it out, work out your differences. Because if there wasn't that commitment till death do us part, then it's like you're constantly thinking, is... Is this going to be what pushes my partner out out of the marriage? Yeah, and I just you know, and I, I, I'm I'm a believer in that till death do us part. Uh, you know, because it it allows for the fact that there are going to be times where you're not happy. Yeah, you know, because I, I think we live in a culture where it says you know we're we're together until we're not happy, and then we go our separate ways and we try to find somebody else who can make us happy it's almost like cancel culture for our marriage i haven't thought of it that way yeah. that is yeah. yeah yeah so um and and if if you don't have the security of knowing that your partner and you have made that commitment till death do us part then then you have the uh the wherewithal to be able to say okay we got to work through this and not having the fear that working through it is going to cause the other person or cause you to to opt out to to you know pack pack the parachute and jump yeah um so uh yeah you guys you guys were committed and and uh decided to make the investment and it was hard but uh the the natural gravitation the, the gravitational pull with any uh, couple is is to grow apart because it's it's it, uh, it's just much easier to be led by what feels good to, for you in the moment. And I think marriage is like well, is to say what is best for the marriage, what is best for the for the team yeah. right now, rather Absolutely. than what's best for me, what's best for him, what's best for the team. Yeah, Deidre and I've been having a lot of that conversation lately, and things is again when we're talking to each other is you know really focusing our conversation on what's best for their family. Mm. You know, it's again, not what's best for me, what's not best for her, but what's best for us. Yes. As a, as a team. Yeah. I, I, my wife and I have a, we just have a team approach. Yeah. And it's like, um, but we fall off. I mean, of there, there's moments we fall off and, you know, we have to be reminded and, you know, again, we're, we're not perfect. Not, and, and again, I, in all this, I've learned, doesn't mean I don't fall. Oh, 
you know, I, I, I still fall. And, but I've learned how to get up and I've learned how to deal with it. And, you know, we'll go over a couple of things. It's just some things I've learned over time that have worked for me to kind of help minimize some of the hits. Well, a, a healthy, strong marriage is a moving target. Sure. You know, it's like, um, you know, I, I counsel with people when I'm doing marriage counseling. It's like the sex that you have in your 20s is not going to cut it when you're in your 30s and you've got young kids around. It's not going to cut it when you're in your 40s, when your body is starting to not cooperate uh, as, as it did when you were in your 20s and right. then in your 50s and 60s. It's a, it's a moving target. And so you, each, each iteration of, of life in, in the marriage is, is an opportunity for you to grow apart or, or an opportunity for you to say, all right, we've got to figure out how, how to have great sex when we're in our 60s. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, with, with great experience, I can yeah. say that it's absolutely possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then, you know, after going through that, I was, you know, I was really struggling with, you know, my career and what that looked like. Mm. Um, you know, through working with Ellie and, and more work with you, I finally got to a place that I said, all right, I want to take a risk. Mm. I, want to have a, I want to have a child. Mm. And, you know, having that, just that transition, that change of perspective, um, very scary. Mm. Um, you know, the, the core group that we were around, none of us had kids. Mm. So I didn't even know what it looked like, yeah. to be honest. I, mean, I did from a distance. And, but again, nothing to really look at and observe and go, I get it. Mm. Um, and so going through that was again, just a leap of faith and, um, it took, it was challenging. Yes. Um, you know, Deidre had a miscarriage at one time, Mm. but we kept, you know, persevering and said, this is something we want to do. Um, we worked with some other individuals and, um, she got pregnant again with Drew. Mm. Changed my life. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I have a, I, my personal view is that's the way God intended it. He, he, uh, kids, kids cause you to get on the growth curve once again. And, um, yeah, I, I had one, I think my youth pastor told me, you know, back when I was early married, he goes, yeah, kids, kids is God's way of causing you to become less selfish. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's a good thing because, yeah. you know, it's like we've, you know, left to our own devices, we can become quite selfish. Uh, well, I think the other thing is I've learned in having Drew is not being selfish, but also that I need my actions are really important now. Hmm. My actions and my words yeah. because he's watching everything. Oh, my goodness. And listening to everything yeah. I say. Yeah. And so I need to set an example for him mm. in every facet. Yeah. And so I've been really focused on that. Yeah. Um, and, and my actions and what I'm doing and, and thinking about them. And, is, you know, is this going to, you know, give Drew something positive or negative? Yeah. And so I, that's been part of my ability to change perspective is, yes, he's changed me in so many ways. I've never felt love like this. Mm. Never. Yeah. It's uh and so it was fear that 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 held you back. Oh from, absolutely. Uh, and and could you imagine now 
you know, let, let's say that uh, we were able to A-B test it and there was one version of yeah, you that right. decided not to have kids and one version of you that went ahead and had uh, took the leap. I mean, you, you just couldn't compare. You'd go, I, look what I would have missed out on. That and I think, you know, as we progress in seasons, having Drew was both a gift and a reminder that life is important. Mm. And, you know, as I went into my later, you know, later seasons, um, you know, dealing with my diagnosis with cancer. Mm. And, you know, that was, that what I think it was, it was to this date, the hardest season, mm. the course. most challenging one. And I think the reason, one of the reasons I feel that was, it was the first time I really felt like it was a personal attack on me, mm. like very personal. Mm. And it was something inside of you was trying to kill you. Mm. And so having that mental battle with that. Mm. And so looking at my son mm. and not wanting to repeat history. Yeah, because I your your mother died of cancer. No, oh, no, open heart surgery. Oh, okay. But it, I I just part of me was like I there's no way I'm not going to fight. Mm. Mm. I didn't know how yet, mm. but I just was able to say that I'm going to be here for him. Mm. See what you're expressing now. I just you know is what what we're short of in, in society today, a father who would say, I have a responsibility to model life well, to model life in a healthy way so that, so that my son grows up having, knowing what constructive is, knowing what healthy is. Yeah. Not, not knowing what perfect is, right. but knowing a healthy response for those more imperfect moments. And I, I think, Robert, if there were more fathers like you on the planet today, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd have less um, societal challenges. Well, I, it, again, I, it goes back to my journey. Mm. And I don't believe without that journey in those seasons that I would have the maturity to have today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't have the perspective I wouldn't look at these things the same way. Mm. Um, but because I have, I have a very different perspective. I cherish it. Yes. Um, I really focused on you know, getting the, I don't want to say the best out of it, mm. but what's the right way to make it through this? Mm. You know, and, and that's in all ways, you know, and even going through the treatments, you know, I had to demonstrate to Drew that his father is strong. Model, this is, this is how you respond yeah. to life's really unfortunate. And it was hard. Mm. And, you know, Drew's seen me laying, you know, in bed all the time. Mm. And, you know, I'd come home from my treatment, I have the bandage on my arm. He always asked me, yeah. did, they, did they stick you again today? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that kid would love up on me, mm. and it was the best thing. Yeah, could you imagine going through that uh, without, without a son? To, I mean, at the very least, he was like an awesome distraction for you. Oh yeah. And 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 at most, he's a reason for living. Yeah. And for fighting. Yeah. 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 Both him and Deidre. Yeah. 
you know, it, it, it was like, I cannot leave that. Mm. You know, Not so without I, doing everything within yeah. in, in my capacity. Yes. Yeah, and that's why I sat down and drew that plan of the seven pillars, mm. you know, and I was going to focus on gut health and cardiovascular health and mental yeah. and spiritual health, which we're mm. talking about today, and, and very, the rest of the seven. And I, again, I'm going to do everything I can. And I didn't want to leave it up to others telling me how to do it. Mm. I felt like I had enough information, enough knowledge that I at least could create a frame, mm. a framework that I could work through and learn mm. more mm. as I went through it, which I have. Mm. Um, again, had various therapists and um, around me and clinical um, practitioners that, mm. to really, you know, I could go to and ask questions and they had knowledge that, again, we could talk back and forth and mm. learn from, which was huge. But I think, again, cancer was a catalyst to so much change and mm. realizing that we have to, we have a choice, again, to do the right thing and the wrong thing. And I believe that the mental health side of things is really important to take care of mm. because part of me, again, it's all hearsay and mm. me just putting it out there is I believe some of the physical challenges that I've gone through and maybe even cancer was a reflection of my mental health and my anxiety mm. and that I wasn't managing it correctly. Mm. Mm. Um if it didn't do, it did something. And because I've seen over time as I've changed mm. my actions and my perspective, those are starting to fall off. Mm. Um, for example, my weight. I tried to lose weight for years. Mm. And I, you know, I feel like I eat healthy. I know I eat healthy. I don't feel like yes. I eat healthy. But the stress and the anxiety because of it, I couldn't, nothing. And not until, it's funny, it's going through cancer and my treatments that I get to a place of calmness and remove anxiety and stress and all these things, going through one of my biggest fights, did my weight start to go away? Yes. And so I think that that's just one component, mm. one component. But again, it, and again, having, I knew also that going through a cancer diagnosis and treatment, my mental perspective was going to be one of the most important parts of the fight. Yes. And so I put a lot of effort into that, um, both in, you know, content that I listened to. Mm. Um, you know, like I said earlier, there's a lot of strong people out there in the world. Yes. And they can do amazing things. I just followed their lead. And learn from them. And, it, you know, it's various individuals. I mean, from, you know, spiritual uh, leadership to, you know, David Goggins. Yes. You know, get up and, you know, get up. I mean, I used to get up, you know, five o'clock in the morning to walk because mm. that was really the only thing I could do mm -hmm. during my treatment. And there was days where I didn't want to get up, but I could hear David Goggins' voice. Yes. So I got up. Yeah. And, and then, of course, when I got up, and I'm doing my walk. I got to see the sunrise, and I was listening to book, audio books or a podcast. Again, putting positive content yes. in my ears, and that was a that was a way for me to set the groundwork for the day. And again, if I did that, it was like I'm good. 
And um, my other thing was going through the treatment was I was going to do everything I could around it, mm. support it. Mm. And because I didn't know what it was going to look like. Mm. I had no idea. No one could really give me any clear idea of what was going to happen. Mm. But here's the list. Good yes. luck. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the mind-body connection is, is far greater than, than we even understand today. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we do understand certain things like, you know, cortisol, yes. the stress hormone, yes. um, suppresses our immune system. And so it really works to our advantage if we are meditating, thinking about things that are, that are positive and hopeful and yeah. peaceful, um, at very least to reduce the amount of uh, cortisol that we've got running around in our system because we need our immune system to be, in, you know, uh, pumping on all cylinders. Yeah, and, and so part of that was over time and going through this diagnosis, knowing that mental health was a really valuable part of this, you know, getting through this other side. And I, you know, I put together this, this list that, you know, over time I added to mm. and I brought up the walk, you know, mm. and, you know, I'll call it my mental health cocktail for lack mm. of better words. And again, this is what works for me. Mm. I'm not saying this works for everybody and that this will help you. But again, my understanding, my, how I feel about this is there's not one fix mm. in all of these challenges that we're having. I don't believe there's one fix. Mm. And because of that, I don't believe it's medication always. Mm. I think there's a place for medication. Yes. I don't believe it's the first defense. I think it's... Which is countercultural because yes. in, in, in the Western world, it's like I've got something wrong, get, just give yeah. me a pill. Yeah, and, and, and I, I struggle with that. And, and there's reasons for that. And it really could stem all the way back to my mom mm. and watching the medical challenge that she had mm. when I was a young kid. But... I really, you know, again, I think it's a, it's a lot of little things mm. that really add up to some important. Mm. So walking is, is valuable for me. Mm. And, and why is it valuable? Not just the, you know, the reality of that is a level of exercise is really important for individuals at mm. the very least. And it's a, a place for me to be creative. You yes. know, I was able to go there and I'm in my creative space walking. Mm. And so having that ability to have the time to think mm. through things. And honestly... This whole concept of this platform was probably created on that trail, walking. Yeah. I know it was definitely thought through, but I think it could have started there. Mm. And so this is what I want to do. Mm. And this is how I'm going to do it. Because going back a little bit, you and I have had conversations for quite a while that I don't feel like I'm doing what I should be doing in my career. And that I want to help people. Yes. And that my wanting to help people is more of a, um, a direct line of help. Yes. And we, we talked about various things. We talked about life coach. We talked about it, but nothing really, really felt purposeful yet. Mm. You know, nothing said yes. And then going through this diagnosis, realizing I have a purpose. I can take this story, take what I've learned and what I've gained through the challenges and help others. At the very least, help them understand that they're not alone in this. You know, hopefully giving them some tools and some ideas or at least the, the hopefulness that there is opportunity out there. Mm. You know? So again, the, the walking was really important. And then listen to positive content. Mm. Again, I think that's 
really big. There's so much negative content out there. So getting positive is so valuable. And then, you know, of course, working with you and Ellie, I mean, that's a big deal. Um, I think having the opportunity to sit across from somebody and talking with someone with unbiased Mm. ears is really important. Mm. And we shouldn't take that for granted. It's available. There's a cost, but I think there's other opportunities out there with variable costs. Mm. And so it's not, let's just not give up. Um, Talking to Deidre and your your spouse, um, I think, again, is another very important thing. I think having more conversation, sharing our feelings, sharing our fears, sharing our challenges, you know, because we're going through life together. Mm. If I don't know her challenges, her fears, then I'm, I might bring something to the table that could really upset the apple cart mm. and tip it over versus supporting her, um, helping her get to where she wants to go. Yes. Or her just understanding that I can bring something. Okay, I get it. The other one that I learned through my diagnosis, again, which a couple, a lot of these came out of that was the sauna. Get in that sauna every day. Mm. You know, you talk about helping with mental health and mm-hmm. stresses and that detox um, was a, a big deal for me. It relaxes your body. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have the worst day, whether it's treatment day or days after treatment where I just didn't feel mm-hmm. myself. And I could go in there and just, even in that 40 minutes being there, just feel good. Yeah. I mean, the scientific literature that's coming out recently yes. is really recommending that uh, that sauna experience. Yeah. And there's there's physical benefits to it. Mm. There's cognitive benefits to it. Yeah. And so I again it was it was something really important to my daily protocol. The other one is cold plunge. Yes. The opposite. Yes. Again, dopamine, the biggest dopamine hit you'll ever, ever get. Yes. And I think that is something that, you know, you just I shouldn't take for granted. Nobody should. And I my body actually craves it mm. um, when I'm not in it. Um it's you know, again, benefits um tremendously. And then there's the the challenge of both of those two, getting in something very hot mm. and staying in there. I mean, trust me, there's days where that 30-minute mark to 40-minute mm. mark, I want to get out, and I don't want to be in there. It's hard. Yes. You know, and the cold water, too. That walk from the sauna to the cold water is the hardest thing to do. Mm. Actually, being in it is not, it sounds weird, but being in it is not as hard. It's the, the journey to it. Oh, Yes. And, then, and that self-talk. Yes. Going there of like, nah, why are you doing this? Yeah. Why don't you just take it, a shower? It's like, uh, you know, di- uh, jumping into the ocean. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, you know that 90 seconds after you've been in there, your body acclimates to the cold. But uh, it's just the transition that uh, people, you know, it's, uh, um, it, it is uncomfortable. Um, and you just have a great reluctance yeah. as, a, as a human to do things that are uncomfortable. And then I, the other one that's big for me is gratitude and love. Mm. I think giving love mm. and loving somebody mm. is, is so rewarding. Mm. Um, it also, I think it, it adds maturity. And mm. with love and with gratitude, you, you change your perspective. You're able to see things differently. Um, you're able to see other people's challenges yeah. too and realize you're not the only one. Yeah. Sleep. Big deal. Mm. Mental health. 
And I, I think that's one of the, I mean, that's something I really want to help others. I, I'm grateful. Mm. I'm a good sleeper. Mm. And my family is, but I know people that barely get any sleep. Mm. And they pay the price for it. And I don't know how they function. Not as well as they would function yeah. if they were getting adequate sleep. Right. And, and I think that whole area of um, sleep hygiene is becoming... Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the neurological benefits, you know, what happens, you know, at night, you're, you're, it's like your brain defrags overnight as yeah. you're sleeping. Um, memories get encoded. Um, inflammation in the brain gets repaired. Toxins in the brain uh, get, get filtered out of, uh, of the brain the brain areas and and get flushed out of your system what i've learned about sleep one of the most important things is you go to bed at the same time every night mm. Mm. and if you are used to going let's say let's say you're used to going to bed at 9 30 you can go to bed at 10 or 9 mm. and this isn't from me it's from huberman but i was like his guest on and if you miss if you go past that 30 minute mark either way mm. you miss round you miss that most important part of our sleep mm. and you don't catch up to it. Mm. And so having that discipline and consistency of going to bed at a similar time. And I think a ritual too, whatever that looks like. Yes. It's not just the day ends and you just plop in bed. Mm. You, there, there needs to be some level of, of ritual. I think for me, it's like I do the sauna, mm-hmm. I do this and then I do my meditation and you know, on and on and on. Yes. But I have a routine. Mm. And that routine's important to my sleep. Mm. And I think that's it also sets the groundwork to be able to sleep. Yes. So, so again, but I've learned this over time. This isn't something I've been doing for the last 30 years. Yeah, and, and routine, that's a good word that has application over many departments of our life. Um, going to the gym uh, is, a, is a routine of mine. Um, date nights is a routine. My budgeting is a routine. Right. Um, and, and that's why, you know, when you, when you have some type of catastrophe that comes into your life that knocks you off your routine, that, yeah. you know, then it can be a struggle to get back on. Travel is, is difficult to, um, because sure. it, it can toss yeah. you off your routine. But routine Well, is, I think that's, you brought travels. When I was traveling for all the time, that was tough. mm it threw my routine off. Yeah. I would have a new. I would have a routine while I travel and a routine here. Yeah, and they didn't match mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, like I would stay up late. Yeah, I don't stay up late home. Yeah, you know if, if I'm up past ten, I'm, I'm grumpy. Yeah, you know, but I would stay up. And- well, I love I love traveling. Traveling is just something that it's just uh, it's oxygen to me. Sure. So I've, I've got to be on a plane going somewhere at least once a month. Um, but that the trick for me is to travel and maintain routines. Yeah. And uh, so one of the one of the things I train so that I can travel well, and uh, because you know it's really difficult, you know, to to be bumped off your routine and then you know you've gained five pounds mm-hmm. because you've been away mm-hmm. for ten days, you know, yeah. in Italy or whatever, and then you're time zones and jet lag and all that so but you can get good at it you can get good um at uh at routines yeah and then after that it's really you know i look at supplements and nutrition Mm. it's really important to that Mm. if we're not eating good 
Mm. Obviously, then you can't sleep good, and there's all these other things that oh, are well, challenging. And so I think you know that's important. There are, there are some supplements out there that I believe are helpful. Mm. Um, I'm not going to really get into that yet, but I think there there are. If you look and search, there are quite a few out there. Sure. Um, and there's other opportunities too. I mean, you just got to look at uh, nutrition. I'm super. Uh, super committed to nutrition. I just think that um, in my clinical work as a psychologist, you know, I deal with, um, you know, anxiety and panic attacks and, and depression and uh, nutrition plays into that so much. You know, the amount of, you know, in the 1700s, we would have uh, the average intake of sugar per day is one teaspoon. Mm. Today, According to the CDC, uh, the average intake for a female is 15 teaspoons a day and for males, 19 teaspoons a day. And, you know, when you examine what sugar does to the system and, you know, it spikes your insulin and, and gets you on that whole insulin roller coaster and, you know, uh, putting aside, you know, what it does in terms of um, uh, fat storage and in increasing triglycerides and all that, um, you, know, it, 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 you you gain weight. Yeah. You're not fitting into your clothes. You feel terrible about that, and you know. So nutrition is um, is huge. I think uh, was it um, uh, somebody says somebody said um, food is thy medicine. Mm. I think that was uh, Hippocrates. Yeah. And uh, so true. Yeah, and then the, the last couple, um, one of is acupuncture too. Mm. I mean, I was using that as, as a help for my stress mm. and my just relaxation. Um, and so I think it was important. Um, I still use it today, just not as frequently. Um, I, I, my experience with acupuncture is, for, is zero. Yeah. I do um, reflexology. Yeah. It's um, is huge. I always I find it interesting when I get reflexology done, you know, that because they, you know, start with the head and they mm. work their way down to your feet. And whenever they start working on my feet, I fall asleep. Mm. I have no reason. I'm sure there's a clinical oh, yeah. reason why. But I just, you know, to the point where sometimes I, I wake up from this really deep sleep, you know, and I'm just going, I just paid a lot of money just to have a 20-minute sleep. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, pressure points. Well, I, to that point is when I would go to my acupuncture, especially early on, that I would sleep for an hour with the needles in. And wow. it was the best hour of sleep you could ever have. And yeah. you would also, your, my body would completely jump up in the air mm. during it. And I was always wondering what that was. What, mm. So I asked the acupuncture, Emma, what, what's that about? She's like, that's when your body's rebooting. Wow. So think about your computer rebooting. Yeah. That's your body. That's how what, how it reacts when it reboots. Yes. So when it happened, I actually, you know, it was like, oh, great. You know, I had a different approach to it versus what's that. Yeah. And, but uh, I, I love the way you've got those pillars. These, these yeah. are uh, the essentials in my life. Yeah. And it was a way for me to attack mm. and battle back. Um, another one for me big in this journey is my spiritual health. Yeah. Um, it was, um, I can't explain other than it, there was so much weight 
lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. And that it gave me space to think. It gave me space to be creative. Yeah. It gave me the 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 will to fight. Mm. Um, it brought community mm. around me and my family. Mm. And so I there's nothing short of that that was just astronomical. Yeah. You know, and uh it again changed the trajectory of our family. Yeah. And so it's a big, big one. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And then the the last one for me is just kind of my newest find um, is, you know, I've been going out in the garage every day and uh, I do 10 minutes of heavy jump rope, whether, you know, I have up to a two pound rope mm. and as much as I can jump in 10 minutes mm. and it's, you know, a full body workout. Um, and then I put on a 20 pound ruck vest and, and hit a heavy bag for 10 minutes. Mm. I found from that is that was more for my mental health than anything. Mm. That if I get that 20 minutes, I am, there's so much that I can get out mm. in that 20 minutes. Mm. There's nothing like hitting a bag and just doing whatever you want to that with no consequences. Mm. Well, there is consequences. They're good ones. Yes. Um, they're benefits. And the other connection I made to that, well, first of all, I go, I need to do that every day mm. because for my head. Mm. The physical side of it is just a byproduct. The other connection I made with that was, as I was doing it, was my son. A boy needs physical activity. Mm. He needs that physical interaction, they, you know, that roughhousing, mm. right? They need it. They, they crave it. Why is that any different for me? I've completely abandoned that. Yes. And depressed it. Yes. And I haven't had that in my life for I don't know how many years, Wes. Mm. And, and so to have it now and realize the benefit of it, and what it's doing for me, it was like, yeah, why wouldn't this work? Mm. You know? And so that, again, a big deal for me because it gives me, again, I'm able to go out there and do whatever I want to that bag. Mm. You know, and I and you're, it's fun to learn and learn from it, grow from it. You know, my jumping is my rope jumping has become so much more. Um, I got more strength in my bo complete body, and so there's just all these other benefits to it. It's a challenge. Mm. Um, hot days like we've had in the last couple of days, mm. ninety plus, ninety five plus. Yeah, no need to get in the sauna. Well, I that. would too, but you know, it, it's like I go out there and do it. Or I could stay in the, in the air conditioning. Mm. I chose to go out and do it. Yeah. Because I got to choose, again, choose hard things. Yeah. And I think that plays a big part of how we manage our lives. Yeah. If I can choose those hard things, the rest of the hard things that show up should be a lot easier. Yes. Or at least you can step back and have a little bit of different perspective mm. and not to be so reactive to something. Mm. You can actually think through it work through it mm. um, and have a different perspective. Mm. And, and I think that's important too, is especially as leaders, mm. whether it's your leader in your business, leader in your community, leader in your family, we need to be in a, in a place that we are at our best. And I believe to do that, we individually every day need to do some sort of work. Mm. You know, and all these things on my list, a lot of them I do daily and some mm. of them are coming in and out. Yes. And there's new ones that come in and out. And I will always be, Seeking for new ones. Yes. 
because why not? It only helps. Yeah, it's your orientation is improvement, optimize. You know, if something is, you know, something could be seasonal, a behavior, a, a, a part of your routine. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, some are lifelong, some are just for a season. And I think it's wisdom mandates that we know when, when something is seasonal and when something is lifelong and, and if we just recognize, okay, this seems to be more seasonal because it's, it's not bringing the benefits that it once did. So let me rotate something else in yeah. and that I'll give, I'll put on the shelf for a while and may come back to it. But I'm, I totally with you. I think, uh, I, I always tell my, my executives that I, that, uh, I work with that, you know, I, I exercise every day and generally going to the gym every day when I'm in town, yeah. definitely every yeah. day when I'm in yeah. town. And even when I'm traveling, I mean, the people that get me in, they put me up at hotels that always have a, a fitness center. But we don't need a gym. That's the thing. Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, that there's opportunity to do things. Absolutely. Do hard things without a gym. Yeah. A gym helps, but I don't want that to be the excuse or the hurdle. Absolutely. Because we all can't afford gym memberships. I get yeah. that. Yeah. And, but, you know, there are things in our, in our, home and around us that we can do. I mean, we can all go walk. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with you. I do it for mental health. Yeah. Primary, primary reason for mental health, physical is, is uh, it, you know, comes after that. And I just think mo most of the people that come into my practice who are suffering from clinical depression, I can pretty well guarantee that they're, they're living sedentary lives. They're not, um, they're not getting outside into into nature. They're not hiking. They're not right. walking. They're right. um, and they're certainly not working out. And I just think um, working out is a definite anti-depression medication. Yeah, and it's worth. It's you know, if anybody's out there who you know struggles with chronic discouragement or you know clinical depression, just make sure that you are taking advantage of of physical activity. And uh, and also getting outside, yeah. getting outside. We need need a certain amount of sun. Absolutely. Well, it's been great. Uh, takeaway today. I have a few. All right. Um, you know, these are mine. I think the big one of the bigger ones is we can't do this alone. Mm. You know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Whether you get help from, you know, life coach, psychiatrist, your spouse, even a friend, even a pastor, yeah, a rabbi, anybody. Yes. Just someone you can have that will listen and talk to you. Mm. Um, friends might be a little tough sometimes because they will bring bias to the table. Yeah, and the other thing too but is... But I think it's important to have that relationship oh. and, and be able to share yeah. and be open because you never know when they might need to share. And if you're not being vulnerable and sharing, are they going to feel comfortable and trust that they can? So there's that. Yeah. But it's also good to have you know, a counselor in your life, a coach in your life, yes. because sometimes you can lean on your friends. You know, you, you don't want to turn your friends into your therapists. Well, and that's a lot of pressure. Oh, absolutely. A lot of pressure. Yeah. But, um, develop your friendships. Be uh, vulnerable with your friends so that they feel that, you know, that they can be vulnerable with you, but don't, don't turn your friends into your therapists. Yeah. And then you need to put in the work. You know, and, and understand, you know, what this looks like for you. Mm. Um, you need to try, you need to fail, yeah. you need to learn. You know, whatever the opportunities and activities or 
things that you need to bring to the table to help you with this. You know, it's a trial and error. Yeah. And don't do everything at once. That's another thing, too, is I keep telling individuals yeah. this. If you do all 10 at once, you're not going to know what's working and what's not working. Yeah. And the thing that's not working might not necessarily necessarily be completely wrong. It just needs just tweaked a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're doing all of them, you don't realize that. You can, you can of course, at the beginning of any endeavor, you, you're just running on enthusiasm and the hope that this is going to be the one thing that right. you know, changes your life. I'm, I'm an advocate for consistency. I would much rather you go out into the garage and do, if you've never done it before, I'd much rather you go out in the garage and do seven minutes every day, yeah. seven minutes, seven days, yeah. than to go out there and do 70 minutes on one day and wreck yourself. Right. So I, I think, um, you know, we talk about the benefit of, of routine and structure. If you can just go, I am going to do seven minutes, and, but I'm going to do it every day. And I think I, some time ago I decided, you know, I was going to exercise every day. I think I'm up to day 430 mm. uh, without missing a day. Because I, um, I would manipulate myself. I'd go, well, you know, doctors say that you only have to exercise three to four times a week. And I was constantly making deals with myself. I'd be going, well, I think. That's that, fun, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Talk about decision fatigue. It's like, did I exercise yesterday? Or was that the day before? Or was that last week? Right. And so I just made a decision. I was just going to exercise every day, uh, regardless of whether I felt like it or not. And just and just go, show up. Uh, don't don't try and change the world in yeah. one in one session. Yeah. But and then the other one is give yourself grace. Mm. You know we're we're going to fall down, mm. and we're going to be challenged, mm. and there's going to be moments where it's hard, and we. You know, maybe revert back to some old habits or whatever, yeah. but give yourself grace to realize that, you know, we all go through that. We all fall. And, you know, don't let that be your hurdle to get back on. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's not self-induced. Right. Sometimes your body fails you. Yeah. You know, you catch cold or you've, um, you know, you get some plantar fasciitis that sets up in your foot and, um, and, uh, You've just got to give yourself grace rather yeah. than beat up on yourself. I think the, one of the last things is, is that this might be a life journey for mental health, helping mm -hmm. people understand that, you know, even with these ideas that it's always going to be something you're going to have to be working at oh. and battling with. And might. That, you use the word this yeah, might. I yeah, think it is. Yeah, yeah. It is. Because it's, it's always going to change. The, it, the outside life world is, is going to change. Life and, is a moving target. And so we're always going to be adapting. And, of course, yeah. with that adaption, it's going to become anxiety and depression and all those various yeah. things that come in our lives. And then we have to, you know, hopefully have the support system both internally and externally yeah. to, to manage those. Yeah. And, and the grace part is a, is a big part of that. Go, hey, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm going to give me grace. And uh, I, because when we dose up with guilt and shame, that is so overrated in its in its motivating motivating potency. Yeah, grace is much better. Yeah. Well, and I just encourage people not to give up, you know, yeah. and keep pushing. Yeah. You know, fall down, get up, keep going. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important. Well, Doctor West, I want to thank you for your time today. Um, I hope that we were able to encourage someone today. 
that yeah. they're not alone and that there's help out there and, and that they can get the help they need. You're a good example. Well, that, that got a lot of um, good people to, to, to follow, and um, I'm just grateful. But, uh, Robert, your orientation towards having a growth mindset yeah. is, is what is really making a revolutionary uh, shift in your yeah. world at, in, in, at all the stages. You've yeah. always you know, had an orientation towards growth, so it's, a, it's been a joy and a pleasure to be uh, walking with you on, I appreciate it. on the journey. All right. Keep it up. All right, man. Thank you. I look forward to this ride and encourage you to come along. Hold on.